Support for Bullseye and the following message come from Culturel. Culturel wants you to know that an estimated 45 million Americans may have IBS, according to the International Foundation for Gastrointestinal Disorders. Culturel IBS Complete Support is a medical food for the dietary management of IBS. It's designed to relieve symptoms like abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation in a safe, well-tolerated, once-daily dose. Save 20% with promo code RADIO on culturel.com. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Time now for a segment called The Craziest Day of My Entire Career. It's a chance for some of our favorite folks to sit down and tell us the most insane things that have happened to them in their long careers in the biz. That's what we call show business. Stepping up to the plate this time, it's Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard is a longtime stand-up comedian. In fact, the last time we had him on the show, he had just done a special for HBO called Career Suicide. That was one of our favorite releases from that year. Very funny and, frankly, harrowing one-man show. But today's story isn't about that. Chris also has a new special out. It's called Half My Life. He shot it a couple years ago, and it's sort of a documentary. It follows Chris on tour, playing at venues of all shapes and sizes and comfort levels. And it, like its predecessors, is also very funny and somewhat harrowing. Sometimes my son, when I'm holding him, he will fall asleep in this way where he just like, he's like out. He's like, he goes like limp and he's sleeping. And the first time it happened, I was just like, oh my God, he trusts me so much. He feels so safe with me. Amazing feeling. That's a good feeling. Bad feeling. Telling a six day old boy to shut the f*** up. That's a bad... That's not even the bad feeling. The bad feeling is realizing how much you mean it. But again, today's story isn't about that. Today's story concerns maybe my favorite thing Chris Gethard has ever done. It's called The Chris Gethard Show. It's a raucous, chaotic variety show that has appeared at various times on public access TV, on prestige cable, and as you're about to hear, at the small UCB Theater in Manhattan. I think that's all the intro this story needs. I'll let Chris Gethard take it from here. Buckle up. Hi, my name's Chris Gethard, and this is the craziest day of my entire career. So I'll explain from the start. December 24th, 2009, I am at my parents' house in the Adirondack Mountains. It is just myself and them for Christmas Eve. My parents are old. They go to bed real early. At the time, I'm 29 years old and I'm bored. I don't want to go to bed at like 8 or 9 p.m. So 2009, Twitter was a relatively new thing. Uh, If you think back, I think we were all kind of like, oh, what is this thing that's, you know, had all this buzz and what's a hashtag? And it was new. And I had just started a show called The Chris Gethard Show at the UCB Theater in New York. It was a talk show that would go on to become like 200 episodes on public access, 47 more on 
cable spread over two different networks. But at this time, we had just done the very first Chris Gathered show, November of 2009. It was on stage at UCB. It was kind of like strange and not even what I thought it was going to be. And me and a few friends did it. And I was going, huh, this thing has some potential here. And the first one got a little out of control on stage in a way I liked. Sitting here on on Twitter and I'm going, man, I'm following a bunch of these random celebrities and I'm getting the sense that it's really easy to pick out which ones are having their publicists do the tweets and which ones are do it themselves. So I'm sitting here and I just go, let me take a shot in the dark on this. Now I'm scrolling through Twitter. I'm going, who's catching hype on Twitter? Who's like an active Twitter user who A, seems completely unattainable to someone like me and B, seems to do it themselves. And if you look at Diddy's tweets from back then, Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, you know, the guy who who launched Bad Boy Records, Biggie Smalls, Mace, all these guys, right? What y'all wanna do? Wanna be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, who be dipping in the bins with the spoilers? His tweets had spelling mistakes and like random stuff just like him being like i just ate some pancakes they were good you're like what is this you're a, a millionaire I'm like diddy's using it himself and what you can't have now leave when you will but don't knock me for trying to bury seven zeros so i made a little video on youtube and i put the video up and i did it mostly to amuse my friends yo what's up diddy my name is chris gethard and you don't know me at all but I'm a comedian. I perform at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, 26th Street and 8th Avenue. And each month, I do a show called The Chris Gethard Show. And I'm reaching out to you because I want to live in a world where I can make a video like this and you'll somehow see it. And then you'll come and you'll make an appearance on my show, even if that appearance is 30 seconds long. You'll just walk in and you'll wave hello and you'll say, yes, things like this can happen. And they all started retweeting it put the hashtag Diddy Gethard on it. And that was Christmas Eve. People found it really funny. And I think I was shirtless in the video. It was thrown together. I was just in a bed in my parents' house in upstate New York. I was like about to go to sleep. And then here's a part of the story nobody knows that I think I could finally tell these many, many years later. That whole trip upstate, I had broken up with this girl who I'd been dating for years. So... I buy a plane ticket to fly to the city where this girl is. She's home with her family. I'm going, this girl wants to get back together. I've been hesitant, but you know what? I think I'm wrong. I'm going to go out and ask this girl to marry me. So December 30th, I get a call from her randomly. She goes, I got to ask you a weird question. I go, what? She goes, are you planning on coming to Chicago? I go, yeah. I was going to surprise you for New Year's. How did you know that? And she goes, don't come. I go, what? I go, you've been begging me to come back, come get back together with you. She's like, don't come. I don't want you to come. So I'm heartbroken, devastated, miserable, feeling like so lonely, so bad, like foolish. And I go to bed December 30th. I wake up December 31st and I turn my phone on and I get 
dozens and dozens of texts as I wake up, just ding, 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 ding. And they're all going, wake up, wake up. Where are you? It's Diddy, Chris, Diddy, go on Twitter. Diddy answered, Diddy answered. You got it, dude, where are you? You're dropping the ball. So it turns out I got, I went to bed real depressed. And in the middle of the night, I come to find out Diddy finally, after five or six days of people retweeting my dumb video, he just answered it finally with the hashtag Diddy together. He said something along the lines of like, I'm interested in hearing more about this show. And then he followed me. So I was like, what is, what is going on, man? So I followed Diddy back. I DM'd him, I go, I'd love to tell you more about the show if we can make it happen. He goes, what's your phone number? So I send him my phone number. And the next thing I know, it's, it's seconds later, my phone is ringing and it says unlisted number. I pick up the phone, I go, hello? And this voice just goes, Mr. Combs would like to have a word with you. And then a few seconds later, I just hear like, yeah, it's Diddy, what's up? And I was like, oh, it, it's uh, Gethard. My name's Gethard. I was like, this is really cool. Thank you so much for answering me. I can't believe you were on the phone right now. And he's like, yeah, I would have I gotten in touch sooner. But uh, I, honestly, I saw the hashtag. I thought it was a sex thing because my name spells get hard. He was like, I thought it was like, did he get hard? And I thought it was some weird sex thing. So I wasn't even clicking on it. And I just realized you're a comedian and I love comedy. And I, I want to know what's up, man. Tell me more. I kind of just rambled this mealy mouth speech. He just goes, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it sounds pretty fun. It sounds pretty interesting, man. I'll do it. I go, I'm, I'm just rambling. Thank you so much. People are going to lose their minds. I can't tell you how much this means to me. I think this is going to be such a special night. I can't believe you're doing this. And he just pauses. He lets me kind of burn out. And then he just pauses and he just goes, ask and ye shall receive, mother and hangs up the phone. He gave me his assistant's email address. He goes, email my assistant. We'll pick out a, a, a date and time. And... If he had told her to expect this email, it would have just been a show and Diddy would have shown up and it would have been like interesting and notable and funny. He never told her. So she just gets this email from me and I'm like, yeah, so I'm the comedian who works out of the basement of the supermarket. Diddy's going to come do my show. We do it Saturday nights at midnight. We'll work around your schedule though. Just let me know when Diddy's free. And if you think about like the context of what I'm explaining, with her having no knowledge of this, it sounds like a stalker situation. Like, hey, Diddy said he's gonna hang out with me in a basement in Chelsea. Like, it just sounded, so she ignored it for months. And then my entire life for the next 13 months is just fueled by this anticipation and this buzz. You could not get a ticket to the Chris Gethard show at UCB because every time it went on sale, everybody who liked New York comedy who knew about this bought tickets instantly because they didn't want to miss the month that Diddy was coming. And when you think about it, like this guy was giving me a guaranteed sellout that was creating massive hype around the idea that you couldn't get into my show. Thank God he disappeared for 13 months. He wouldn't answer tweets anymore, wouldn't answer DMs anymore. Every month it was like, is he coming? And I'm like, I don't know. And then every once in a while, it would start to feel like, ah, man, people are starting to realize it's not going to happen. Even I'm starting to think that. And then all of a sudden, he'll answer some ran some random person. I'll be like, when are you going to do Chris Gethard's show at UCB? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I still got to find a time for that. Thanks for reminding me. Boom, tickets selling out again. 
the next big steps. They announced Diddy was going to be the musical guest at Saturday Night Live, and Bobby Moynihan was one of my best friends. Still one of my best friends. I text Bobby, I go, Bobby, I don't ever want to put you in a weird spot, but like he's not getting back to me. Anyway, I can get in. He goes, look, I can get you in. But he's like, you just got to be cool and like, maybe you'll be in the same room. Maybe, maybe it'll happen. Maybe. And I'm like, even if he just recognizes me and maybe blah, blah, blah. So I go that night. I went and bought a bunch of Sean John clothing, hoping that maybe that would catch his eye. I'm decked out in Sean John. Weird look for me, but quality, quality apparel. And backstage, during the show, I run into Jason Sudeikis, and he's still in the cast. He's like, hey, you don't usually come around, man. What are you doing here? I was like, oh, well, you know, there's this thing happening with me and Diddy, and he said he was going to do my show at UCB, and Jason's like, oh, that's that's funny. And I'm like, yeah, but then he's not getting back to me, so I thought, like, he's here. Maybe I'd drop by and see if I run into him, and Jason's like, well, let's just go find him. So Jason just finds me. He's like, Walks up, he's like, hey, Sean. And Sean Combs is just in a hallway, surrounded by people. He turns around, he's like, this is Gethard. He says he's like been talking to you on Twitter. And he's like, I know who you are, dude. Where you been, man? He's like hugging me and stuff. I'm like, I'm just, I just wanted to drop by. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I'd still love to make it happen. And he grabs me by the hand, hugs me, turns to the camera. He's like, yo, everybody watching, my word is my bond. It's going to happen. Did he get hard? It's coming soon, blah, blah, blah. And his assistant was there that night. So then he was like, boom, let's do it. And that's when the assistant told me, he never told me about this for months. I've been seeing your emails. I thought you were a crazy person. So December, 2009, it started. That's the whole saga of how it went down. Finally, we get the date right at the beginning of 2011. Sold out instantly. So we picked this date in January. It's finally gonna happen. There's a bunch of weird calls with his assistant. There's three things that I remember. One, at the time he was heavily promoting a vodka brand that he was a part owner of called Ciroc. I don't know if that's still around and if he still owns it, but he wanted, I believe, pineapple Ciroc in his uh, dressing room. We looked it up and it was like, whichever flavor it was, it was like really rare and hard to find and it cost like a hundred and something bucks a bottle. So his assistant sent over the rider, then called me and was like, we'll bring this rock. Like, don't worry about it. I know you guys are like, she knew where I was at. Like, she's like, I know you're like schlub. And then he needed like sandwiches with fresh vegetables. So we went and got those. And then it said applesauce. And the amount of applesauce in Diddy's rider was like, we were like, what is going on? Like, it was like gallons of applesauce. So I went, I just got like big, you know, like the big glass jars of Mott's applesauce. Like the ones you get if you're having like extended family over for like a backyard cookout. So we got like tons of applesauce. We have that all set up back in the green room. Diddy's in the green room. I go back, I thank him. He's so nice and charming. He's great looking. He smells good. He's charismatic. Everything about him is just like magical. And I thank him for being there really quietly. And he's so cool, humble, kind about it. Everybody else starts to filter in once they get the sense that everything's chill. And at one point, I forget if it was me or one of my castmates says to him, like, is this the worst green room you've ever been in? And he looked around with this grin on his face and he just goes, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely the green room I've been in for a solid 15 years. But he had that look on his face where he was like looking around and saying that with love. You know, that was when we all kind of realized 
It's fun. That's fun for him to get invited to do some weird comedy show. And there's no real stakes in it. And that was a very human moment. Now, I'll tell you about the least human moment of this entire saga. So I believe it was the day of the show. His assistant calls me kind of in a panic. And I'm like thinking it's going to get canceled and pushed. I'm like, oh, here we go again, you know. She goes, I just have to ask you something real quick. Like, what's up? She goes, do you have any, like, audio equipment or, or video equipment or computers in the theater? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, we have a soundboard and we run videos and there's projectors and a whole computer and lighting grid. Why? She goes, oh, that's going to be a problem. There's this thing that happens with Diddy where when he looks at electronic equipment, it breaks. And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, just, it's this thing that sometimes if he looks at electronic equipment, it breaks. And I guess if anything at the theater breaks, we'll pay for it. I just hope it doesn't mess up the show. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, like, you don't have to talk him up, like, one-on-one. Like, he's already doing me the solid. It's already magical that this is happening. I should have realized she wasn't talking him up. Diddy is mythological. Sean Combs is not of our plane of existence. We made like a little two, three minute long reel to start the show with, just to get everybody hyped up. A lot of the people in the room had already seen it. Maybe to let some of the press who maybe hadn't seen it know, like this is a legit thing that's been building. That video starts playing about a minute into it. They come, they grab myself and Diddy. They say, hey, I'm... Chris, Mr. Combs, show's starting, so we're going to get you guys backstage. We go, this video's playing, it's on the monitor next to the sound booth, and we stop. He goes, oh, what's this? I go, oh, it's just like a little reel we cut together of all the videos that have led up to this. And the whole crowd's like dying, cheering at this thing. And he just looks at it, he goes, that's funny. He turns around and walks away and asks anyone who was there that night. Halfway through that video, the sound and the video went out of sync. We had tested that video start to finish. Not an issue. It was playing totally fine when we were in the green room. He comes back out, looks at it, comments on it. All of a sudden, the video and the sound are out of sync. I'm sitting here going, he just broke it with his mind. We put on a hell of a show that night. We did all sorts of bits. We did a Sean John fashion show. We had Ciroc tastings, food pairings. We had a script written for sketches. He, he asked us to write sketches, but he's like, I can't, I don't have time to memorize anything. He's throwing the pages away, improvising jokes funnier than things that I had all these friends who were like professional comedians, right? It, it was great. And, uh, and then there was also this section of the show where... I figure I got this guy here and I don't want it to just be spectacle. And I don't want it to just be, oh, Diddy's here. Ha ha ha. So I said, you know, you have been immensely successful. I have not. And that's kind of a shtick of mine, but it's rooted in some reality. Friends of mine are. I am not. I, I struggle to be okay with that. Do you have any advice for me? And it got so quiet in that room and he just gave a whole bunch of, of really human advice about exactly what I had been saying about my show. Do your thing. All these people showed up here tonight. Like, you're doing some interesting stuff. They showed up for me, but you're the one who got me here. 
you clearly have these instincts and they're appealing to something and, and people aren't sure what they're looking at and not everybody's gonna get what you do man but the people who do it's gonna mean something to them and I would argue that if you look at, at the rest of my career I mean the Chris Gethard show on public access in particular a beautiful anonymous podcast career suicide all of those things have been true me going I'm, I've never gotten the sitcom role I've never gotten the writer's gig that is the locked in thing they're all things that sound strange, especially at the outset, but not everybody knows me, but the people who do really care about my stuff, I'm proud of that. Most of all, I think it was this thing that helped me so immensely have confidence in this project I was doing and that kept this fire alive in my gut. And uh, for years, uh, people ask me about it. And to this day, I will very often meet younger comedians who will tell me the first, you know, I came up in Cleveland or I came up in Seattle and the first time any of us heard of you was Diddy. That Diddy thing, we all were following it start to finish. Um, it was absolutely the craziest night of my career. You know, when I think about it, I just try to take a deep breath and, and remember what it felt like right beforehand when it was just me and him standing there backstage, ready to go on. For all the hype beforehand and for all the hype afterwards, to just stand there and go, I'm about to walk onto stage with this guy who's an artist who has no vested interest in supporting me as an artist, but he thinks this is an interesting and funny idea. I try to sometimes remember that feeling and live in it because it, uh, sometimes you sit around and you go, man, I wish I had a career where I knew I would have health insurance in two years. Like, but then I sit there and I go, no, I once stood backstage in a weird little stage under a grocery store with this guy. And I got to feel a thing no one else has felt. And uh, when I, when I remind myself of that, there's a lot, there's a lot to be proud of there. Come on. I'm the definition of half man, half drugs, ask the clubs, bad boy, that's what's up, after bucks, crush crews after us, no games, we ain't laughing much. Nothing but Chris Gathard on the craziest day of his entire career. And we didn't have time to get into it during this interview, but Diddy actually made a second appearance on The Chris Gathard Show, this time on TV. That's really fun. Uh, if you don't know The Chris Gathard Show, I recommend checking out the episode where they brought a dumpster on stage and made everyone guess what was in the dumpster. It may genuinely be the best episode of non-scripted television ever produced. You can find that episode on Chris Gethard's YouTube. It's called One Man's Trash. Truly, I just, it's just magical. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Right now, I am trying to decide whether to buy this fat wooden bunny rabbit uh, from my friend's store, Bougie Bazaar in Pasadena. It's a really good bunny rabbit. It has like, it's sort of like secretly a box. There's a sliding drawer underneath it. 
It also weirdly has reproductive organs. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. You can find a collection of the music that he's made for this show on Bandcamp. It's pay what you will, so uh, go give Dan some money and get some chill beats to study to or whatever. Our theme song is by The Go Team, thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for sharing it. They've got a new record on the horizon. Already heard the singles. They're banging. You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all of our interviews there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.